0: when things are shifting we're going to be a new world order we've got to leave it program is brought to you by friends and partners of In Time Headlines. All right, what's up, guys? It is Monday, February 27th, and we welcome you to tonight's broadcast. This is In Time Headlines. I'm your host, Ricky Scaparo, the founder, the pastor, and the voice of In Time Headlines. Listen, if you're new to the broadcast uh, and you're watching this for the first time from either Facebook Live, Rumble, or YouTube, or perhaps the main website we want to welcome you uh to the broadcast and we hope that you will let us know that you're watching for the first time and let us know where you guys are joining us from as always we'd love to hear from you so this friday night this past friday night uh my 14 year old son and I went and saw The Jesus Revolution so today I want to kind of give my review on this movie uh and then I'm and out of this I felt like i got a word that I want to share with you uh, today, and then tomorrow on the 28th of February, uh, it's going to kind of dovetail off of tonight's broadcast. I want to get into a, another aspect. Tomorrow's going to be more of an equipping message, whereas tonight, we're just kind of, if I had to subtitle this message, it would be Real Talk Revival. Uh, Real talk revival. We're talking about, because this is the, um, revival is the talk on the lips of Christian circles, all denominations, all backgrounds, theological circles, and everything right now because of what happened, um, recently at Asbury and what's spreading to campuses across the United States and even in other parts of the world. There's reports coming in that there's things happening, uh, in other parts of the world. So that's what we're gonna, kind of cover tonight. So, Let me give you, I do want to say there's a spoiler alert on this podcast. So if you have not seen the movie yet, Jesus Revolution, you, I don't know if you necessarily want to listen to this podcast yet because I don't want to ruin the movie for you per se, give out some insights. So just keep that in mind as we go forward. So um, the movie was fantastic. The movie was awesome. Um, I believe it gave a, uh, uh, an eyewitness account, if you could put it on the big screen of what happened in that era, which brought about one of the greatest revolutions in U S history in regards to what we would call again, uh, I wouldn't even call it revival. i that to me defines awakening because it crossed so many barriers and it exploded so big that it went beyond a revival and it went into a full-blown awakening. Now, it may not be on the scale of the first and second great awakenings, but don't make no doubts about this. This was awakening entire churches, communities, and so on and so forth. But just like then, we just like today, back then, you had uh, different religious sex, sects, S-E-C-T-S, uh, meaning, if we had an umbrella this term, it would be denominations, theological backgrounds, beliefs, traditions of men, religious circles that rejected this entire movement. Um, and you will know them because they are quick to, uh, when you go to uh, social media posts, blogs, and you read the comments, they're quick to discredit the movie, the movement, and try to... Uh, try to destroy it, uh, with their words and their verbiage and and things they type out because they didn't agree with it. They didn't like certain aspects of it. So now I said, spoiler alert, because I want to use certain aspects of this movie. Um, and by the way, before I get into that, the, I I was in tears to the whole movie. Uh, everybody around us was in tears because it's just the, the love of God that was demonstrated that reached beyond the barriers and boundaries of the four walls of the traditional church. It went in. It reached out to a group of individuals that were considered in their day peculiar. We're going to talk about the word peculiar in just a moment um, when we get into the 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 latter end of this podcast. But again, the religious system rejected this, but those whose hearts were, I believe, sensitive to the Holy Spirit and was looking beyond the drugs, the sexual promiscuity, the the appearance, the look, the style, the fashion, the, it, the love of God reached beyond those uh, obstacles and those barriers and was begin to penetrate again a group of people that most of the churches would probably and did right off um and because of that when you see the when you see these people's lives being transformed on the big screen which is a reflection of what really happened and you're seeing people getting saved you're seeing people getting delivered you're seeing people getting water baptized it if you are If you have any sensitivity about you uh, towards the Holy Spirit, it's going to move you to tears. It's going to move you to compassion. And I would venture to say it should challenge each and every one of us to ask ourselves this question. Are we playing church? Are we going through the motions? Are we going through the denominational uh, rigor and the mundane? The cyclical routines. I call it the hamster wheel where you go round and around and around and around doing the same thing. You got the same 40 people. Every single year, and there's no transformation, transformation, no discipleship, no equipping. People's lives are not getting turned upside down for the gospel. They're not going out to the community, reaching people, going into the highways and byways, compelling them to come into the house of the Lord. There's no signs, no wonders, no miracles, no healings, no demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. If you can relate to this, then this movie should prick your heart and challenge you. Now, let me get into some scripture. Um, I and before I get into there, let me I got to give you a kind of a backdrop of where we're going. Of course, the movie is the main backdrop in which we're talking about the canvas that we're painting here. But um, I remember and I thought about my own. Uh, in fact, when I watched the movie and I saw Greg Laurie and his wife, Kathy, and their walk. From the beginning of when they weren't saved and they were seeking the truth. They were seeking, watch this, they were seeking the truth. And they were looking everywhere but the right place. They were seeking the truth in drugs. They were seeking the truth in experiences. They were seeking the truth in quote unquote spirituality. They were seeking the truth in, uh, in sexual relationships. They were seeking the truth in all these avenues and these venues. And I've always said it like this. They're looking for God, but they've got the wrong phone number and the wrong address. And this, And again, I believe this is parallel, guys. Let me just, I'm going to go right to the the point here, and then we're going to get into some scriptures. I believe this movie, the timing of this movie, the premise of this movie is absolutely prophetic into relation to where we are today, right now, in 2023. I don't know about you. Maybe you don't feel it, but I think there's going to be a lot of you that do feel it that are sensitive, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you can feel awakening in the atmosphere. You can see the, now we don't see the full blown latter day rains falling, but just like Elijah, all he needed to see was the cloud, the size of a man's fist. And he said, do you hear that sound? And not everybody heard that sound. He said, I hear the sound of an abundant rain. Now for those who have ears to hear and ears to hear, look around you, look and you will see and you will hear that there is droplets and showers of what I call awakening starting to trickle and starting to fall. Now, Again, we're not in a full-blown third-grade awakening, but we're seeing revivals break out here and over there and across the seas over there and at this church over here, this facility over there, this campus over here. We're seeing these pockets of revival, and the fires are becoming brighter, and the embers are spreading. And and this thing is just fueling, and it's getting hotter and hotter. So you see Things like in the NFL when a player nearly dies on the field and all of a sudden those players that were very quiet about their faith are very outspoken and they're very bold and they begin to uh, to utilize prayer. They begin to lead prayer. They begin to talk about Christ openly like never before. Then you see um, even with certain uh figureheads certain celebrities now i know listen not everybody in hollywood not everybody in the hollywood believe it or not is all in the illuminati now is there a lot of them in it sure is there a lot of them into the uh into new age and dark um spirituality and witchcraft and sorcery and different things yes absolutely we don't deny that but there is a remnant friend listen to me believe it or not there's a remnant of believers in every Avenue that you can imagine. There's a remnant in the music industry. There's a remnant in the music, the movie industry. There's a remnant in the sports entertainment industry. There's a remnant in in the arts the arts and entertainment industry. There is a remnant in every one of these avenues. Now they may not, they're not as vocal, not to say that they're not trying to be, but many times they are snuffed out or they're just silenced. It's not popular to be an outspoken f- believer. Um, and again, use discernment. I'm not saying that everybody that claims to be a Christian in Hollywood and I've got to I've got to make this uh, known because if I don't, I'll get the emails and the messages. And well, Brother Ricky believes that all these celebrities who say they're Christians are 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 really Christians and he has no discernment and he likes that discernment. No, I am well aware. And I I have great understanding that many of these musicians without naming names. Many of them claim to have had an encounter with Jesus or to be a Christian. And they've cut, uh, they've made out or made songs referencing Christ, but the fruit that they're bearing is contradictive of the title of the song or the lyrics. So I believe not all, but many of these individuals are literally just trying to capitalize off of the name of Jesus because they know that there is a, um, there's a lot of money in that genre. So That's why they're doing it. Not because they really had an encounter, not because they had transformation. None of that. No, it's because they're trying to line their pockets. Come on. They're the Judas. Show me 20 pieces of silver and I'll show you Jesus. I'll talk about Jesus. I'll sing about Jesus. I'll do whatever you want about Jesus. As long as you give me the silver. So listen, we're not ignorant of that, but To say, to be so arrogant to think that God cannot penetrate. The Hollywood industry or the music industry or the sports entertainment industry is just it's just that's arrogant and prideful because who are you and who are who am I to put God in a box? We're talking about the God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, the animals, the insects, you and I put the breath of life and all these uh and on all of humanity. And we actually believe. That. God is not able to reach these people. Okay, so having said that, what I believe is happening right now is I believe there is a the sounds of awakening are beginning to get louder and louder. And watch this. God is tired of sharing his glory on platforms and with personalities. Let me say that again. God is tired of sharing his glory with platforms and personalities. So, and having said that, I'm not surprised that God is breaking out outside of the traditional mindset denominational box that we have tried to put God in for decades. It's got to come out of this church, this denomination, and it can only come out from brother. So-and-so who's behind the pulpit with the microphone and his three piece suit, his high and tight haircut and et cetera, and et cetera. And it long as it fits all that criteria, checks all the boxes and meets my approval, then it's going to be a move of God. God is done with that nonsense. He's tired of it. And God is going to move. Listen to me among a group of people. Watch this that the Bible calls. I believe it's the only thing under the sun. The Bible called them a peculiar people. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation a peculiar people now in the greek the word peculiar means a strange or odd or unusual people all oh, that went over some of y'all's heads right there listen to what he says and he ca- God calls strange Odd and unusual people. Uh, hello, like the hippies in the 1960s and 70s. He called those people. Watch this. He called them a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. that should show forth praises of him who brought them out of darkness into his marvelous light which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Well, I believe that scripture refers to the Jews and the Jews only. See, you are doing exactly what I said. I'm telling you, if you're willing to hear me today, friend, that there in case you've not, listen, let me get you up to par with the news and the statistics and the polls because I know you're so holy that you don't watch the news and you don't read all the news online because that's all negative and you're, you're far beyond any of us and you're so holy you don't read any of that. So let me just inform you, okay? In case you didn't know that, there is an entire generation of young people that are tired of religion. They're tired of the religious order, the religious structure, the religious system. They are they don't want any part of it. They're not attending churches. They don't want to go to churches. They don't want to step foot in any of them. Now, we could sit here and we could do a 12 part series on why these people are not coming to church. So I'm going to save you a lot of time and give you about five minutes of why I believe many of these strange odd and unusual people i mean and and listen if you don't think that we have a whole generation of people that are strange odd and unusual i mean we're talking about people that they, they don't even know what sexual identity they are they don't know what gender they are they don't know who they are they don't know where they come from or where they're going i think that's pretty peculiar Now, but how are we responding to them as the church? Are we going to complain about them, murmur about them, gripe about them, write them off? Just send them on their way to hell, let them burn in the lake of fire. Or Or are we on our knees asking God to give us a spirit of compassion? You know, your Bible says that Jesus went about healing the sick and Doing all these things, but it said that he had compassion, he went about doing good, he had compassion, he was grieved, he was sorrowful, he wept over Lazarus, he was broken over people who had no bread to eat, and no, uh, no and they had no places to go, but they were hungry for his words that were coming forth out of his mouth. Have we as the church come to this? Have we lost our compassion? Have you been saved so long, friend, that you are now so sanctified and have everything together that you have forgotten what it was like to be the outsider, the outcast, on the outside looking in, hoping, wishing, praying that some spirit-filled, hope-filled redeemed believer of the lord would actually look towards them have compassion on them and go to watch this go to where they are instead of having this mindset that if they want revival if they want jesus If they want the truth, then by God, they're going to come to my church and they're going to have to meet my standards and my criteria. Listen, if you have that attitude, my friends, you have already lost the battle. You've lost sight of the Great Commission. Jesus said, go ye into all the world. He didn't say, wait until all the world come to ye. That's not what he said He said you go into all the world That means you may have to go Into some of the streets Of Los Angeles Into California You may have to go under a bridge Where someone who used to be a businessman Because to, but, because times got rough And because he lost everything And he lost his wife He lost his family He lost everything that he had once track of And his vision for life And his purpose for life Now he's under a bridge He's <clears throat> he's. Dream- and he's smoking crack and what are we doing well i don't have time to reach him brother ricky i after all i've got to get my church filled with people that look just like me and that have just as much money as i do because after all we don't want people in our church that are not businessmen or women that have uh, a good career because then they would have nothing to offer us. They can't bring a good tithe. They can't bring in a big offering. And then how are we going to compete with the next church down the road? How are we going to get bigger and better and have the better sports team? But listen, there's a whole generation out there that is searching and looking for God But they're looking in all the wrong places. They're looking in horoscopes. They're looking in Ouija boards. They're looking in witchcraft. They're looking in the the black magic and black arts. They're looking at and they're they're trying to find it in their gender. They're trying to find it in their sexuality. They're trying to find it in their culture. They're trying to find it in politics. And listen, they they come to our churches and what do they find? They find that they can't meet the standards of what we expect from them. I have read, listen, over the last two weeks, some of the comments under some of these threads regarding uh, revivals breaking out in these campuses. And stadiums and different places. Some of the comments have literally grieved me to tears. I mean, I'm talking about comments like, well, I doubt if they really got saved unless they were baptized like this or they didn't pray this or they did pray this or it, do they, uh, do they go, uh, do they honor the Sabbath on Saturday? Because if they honored on Sunday, then God didn't hear their prayers of repentance. I'm talking, people are putting themselves in the seat of the judge. Yes, we're to judge fruit. I'm not denying. First Corinthians chapter five tells us that, friend. Paul write up, wrote a whole church, wrote a entire letter to the church of Corinth, and he talks about in there that if any if any brother or sister names the name of Christ yet they practice sinning, he said that we're not to have fellowship with them, we're not even to go out to eat with them. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about re, let's get my goodness, let's get them into the kingdom first, and then we'll get them sanctified. So. Just like in the 60s and 70s, we had what the world called trash and odd and unusual and the hippies, the druggies, and they wrote them off. Here we are. We have a parallel and we're seeing the same thing again. How is the church responding? How did Jesus respond to these people? Listen to this, Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now, right there. The religious people would have lost it. And the Jews would have lost it because tax collectors were not well looked uh the the tax collectors would have a good reputation among the jewish people so this right here the religious and the jews alike would have immediately rebuke jesus because apparently jesus is ignorant because if he had known that matthew was a tax collector he would have never dared to ask matthew to follow him but listen what he says now it happened as jesus said at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners now this is interesting because it says tax collectors whom the jews in that day would call them sinners And the religious Pharisees and Sadducees teachers of the law would consider tax collectors as sinners as well. But it notice it, it says here in the Gospel of Matthew, tax collectors and sinners. You know, oh come on, somebody. When it uses the word sinners here, you know who fits that criteria? That means anybody who is a sinner. In the Greek, a sinner is a is a sinner. It's a person who falls short of the glory of God. So, Oh, come on. I would venture to say that there was people there that had a drinking problem. There was people there that probably had issues with the drugs of that day. There was people there that had a cussing problem. One of them was probably Peter. There was people there that had a problem with the love of money. Hello, Judas. There was people there that was full of doubt and unbelief. Hello, Thomas. There was people there that probably had, they had, problems with lust there was people there that had problems with adultery there was people there that struggled with all kinds they were human and they had issues and struggles they were all there they were they were practicing sin but it says here that jesus sat at the table in the house where they were sat down with them and matthew With the disciples, verse 11, and then the Pharisees saw it and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he responded to them by saying those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let me say that again, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why can't we get this concept guys? So listen, when I see all the, the negativity about the, the recent revival that broke out in kentucky in wilmore kentucky to asbury college a methodist university first of all and if you've never studied out Methodists, their their beliefs are probably going to be a little bit different than yours but instead of giving them some grace because here's the deal what if let's just say hypothetically what if jesus really did show up in asbury do you think Jesus stopped and asked for permission from the university president, from the ch- from the chaplain, from the prayer team, from the leadership, from the denominational standards? Do you think Jesus, uh, he asked them permission to show up and and re- and react to the cries of prayers? And repentance from the students, by the way, whom sparked the revival. Because the last time I checked, the Bible says that if if you if we will call unto him, he will answer us. And show us great and mighty things that we know not of. The Bible says if we draw near to Him, He will draw near unto us. He said if we ask, seek and knock, He that asketh, seeketh, uh, He that asketh, uh, it shall be given to Him. He that seeketh, uh, will find and He that knocketh, the door shall be open. So if you've got a group of individuals that are on their knees in prayer, in worship, seeking the Lord, Are you telling me that God is not going to be able to show up in that church because you've got a few people in the worship team that are practicing sin? Listen, if that's the case, Then friends, can I tell you something? We ain't got no hope when it comes to the traditional four walled brick and mortar church, because I have yet in my 23 years of serving Christ, I have yet to find a church where there is perfect polished sinless people from the choir team the praise team whatever you want to call it to the deacons to the elders to the leadership to the prayer team to the intercessors to the children's ministry to the parking lot attendees and so on and so forth if listen by all means if you can show me Any church where it is absolute perfection and sinless and without blemish, please tell me and show me where that is because I have yet to find one. But because something on the Internet expressed that... There's people on the praise and worship team that are practicing a lifestyle that God says is a sin and will send you to hell. There's no way possible that God could break out in revival in that university. Is that that's what you're telling me? If that if that's true and that's what you're telling me, friends, then you really have God in a box. Because if that was the case, God could have never broke out in the Jesus revolution because them folks were all jacked up. I'm talking about acid dropping, PCP dropping, cocaine snorting, heroin shooting, bisexual, gay, etc., etc. These people were jacked up to the max. But God wasn't restrained By their sins, he still showed up to the cries of repentance. And believe it or not, those people, whether on the platforms, on the praise team, the pews, even if they are practicing sin. Oh, listen, I'll plow a lot harder right now if you want me to, because I can go to 1 Corinthians 5 where there was a young man who was practicing sin. He was having a sex sexual relationship with his stepmother. And the church knew about it. The pastor knew about it. And the apostle Paul found out about it. And he wrote, Paul wrote to the church and he told the church how to deal with it. But, and we all know this. We all like, yeah, brother. Yeah, brother, Ricky. That's what it says. So he dealt with the sin. He got rid of the sin. Yeah. But let's go to second Corinthians. Let's go to the second letter to the church of Corinth where Paul had a right to the same church. Because. Between the first letter and the second letter to the church of Corinth, the same young man had repented of his sin and desired to come back in fellowship to the church of Corinth. But many of those same church members said, no, we done wrote him off. He can't come back because he doesn't meet our criteria. You strike out. You mess up one time. You are done. Goodbye. See ya. Adios. That's what i'm talking about today that's what i want to focus on today so having listen when we adapt that mindset that god can only use the polished perfected saints squeaky clean never never mess up never fall into sin etc etc guys that's not the bible that i read I don't know what Bible you're reading, but you're, you're reading from a religious mindset because my Bible says in first Corinthians chapter 26 through 29, I'm going to read this from the new living translation. Now look, that'll offend some of the Pharisees right there because it's not the 1611 King James only, but I'm going to read it anyway. Remember dear brothers and sisters that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Let me say that again. Very few of you. Now he's talking to the church here. Paul is addressing the church. And he said there was very few of you that were wise in in the world's perspective. You were wise, you were powerful, and you were wealthy. Very few of you were in that status when God called you. Listen to what he says. Instead, God chose things. Oh, this is going to get good. That the world considers to be foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things, listen to this, despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. That's what I loved about what happened at Asbury. Because God moved without a speaker, without a platform, without without the promotion of an Instagram page. A Facebook post, a tweet, a banner, a conference, none of that. It was through, again, the desperation of a remnant of seekers. And then it spread and then it spread and then it spread and it got bigger and it got bigger. And then again, more and more people. Why did over 50,000 people show up in a period of 13 days? Let me tell you why. Because, listen, listen. Oh, come on. This is why. And this is why I believe we're on the precipice of another awakening. It's because people are hungry and they're seeking what is real. Well, I don't believe that. I believe this is a counterfeit Jesus. Listen, honey, then don't worry about it. If you believe this is all fake, it's phony, it's a counterfeit Jesus, it's Satan, it's the devil, whatever, then stay in your little denomination, your box. You don't ain't got to worry about, listen, I am done arguing with these people. Here's the deal. I've said this before. It can rain all around you and you stay wet. A move of God can come in your church in your community and in your neighborhood and you never get in on it. You'll never experience it because of that mindset. now and let me clarify this am i saying that we're not to use discernment nope i'm not saying that well brother ricky uh so and so was scheduled to come and they're known to be false teachers well i got news for you they never spoke because they decided they didn't want them to speak because it was never about them for some reason we keep focusing on them even though they never spoke they never spoke at the event ever because God showed up before they ever got there. Okay. So I want to move on this now. Watch this In Luke 19. Here's another man. How, how long do we got here? How long have we gone on? We've gone on for 38 minutes. I got a few more minutes. There was a man by the name of Zacchaeus who was also a, a tax. Uh, he was a chief tax collector. Wow. This guy's a real center here. Not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. Watch this. This man heard that Jesus was coming his way. And what did he do? He sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. Now here's the interesting part. Zacchaeus went and climbed up higher to see where jesus was coming in other words it was all about perspective he had to change his perspective as long as he oh come on as long as he hung around the crowds they tried to silence him hold him back tell him to sit back stop bothering jesus get back he would have never had the encounter that he had but zacchaeus chose to ignore those people and he says you know what i'm going to change perspectives i'm going to go higher i'm going to choose i'm going to choose to reject the negativity i'm going to choose to reject the naysayers i'm going to choose to uh to neglect i'm going to choose to reject the wet blankets And I'm going to change perspectives. I'm going to seek the Lord more. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to read the word more. I'm going to enter into more prayer. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to seek his face even more. And because Zacchaeus did this, that Jesus looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. What? Zacchaeus didn't stay where Jesus was staying. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to go to your house. And of course, all this, this stirred up the religious crowd. When they saw it, they all complained, saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. Now look, my perspectives have changed over the years. Listen, I had a little bit of this religious spirit on me when I first got saved. Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not advising if you are a newborn in Christ, you're a babe in Christ, and God delivered you out of alcohol. I'm just going to use one example. Uh, it would probably not be wise to go into a bar and try to preach the gospel in a bar. Now, I'm not saying that you should never down the road when you have been serving the Lord for a long time and God takes you a process through sanctification, equipping you. You're, you know, you've gone through a time of your relationships growing, you're bearing fruit. Then if God calls you, God may very well call you to the very thing that God pulled you out of so that you could reach more people. Okay, so we got to use wisdom. If you were delivered out of lust and pornography, you don't want to go to a strip club and try to preach the gospel. It probably wouldn't be wise. So again, use discretion, use wisdom. But I'm telling you guys, we've got to get out of this mindset that if we're going to just, if we think that we're going to sit in our pews, sit in our churches, and that this peculiar generation is going to come to us, and they're just going to fall on the altar and give their hearts to the Lord. We got to wake up. It's not going to happen. It's time for us to lift up our heads. See that the harvest is plentiful, and Jesus is saying the same thing he said back then: the labors are few. See, because let me take you. Let me give you one more scripture, and then I'm going to close with one final thought on this movie. In Matthew 22. There is a parable in which that uh, the kingdom of heaven was like in a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, but they all made excuses and they were not willing to come. Um, And when the king heard about this, he became angry and furious. So he says to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, Go into the highways and as many as you find invite to the wedding. Did you hear that? Go into the highways and byways and invite as many as you can into the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found both bad And good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came and in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king says unto the servants, bind him foot, band, bind, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him to the outer darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Notice here that the servants mission Was to gather good and bad and bring them into the wedding hall. But it was the king. It was his job to decide whether or not ultimately that they are worthy to step into the kingdom. It is not us. It is not our place, and nor do we have the position to say to, we don't have the position to say it to someone, well good, done, good and faithful servant, enter in. you and I are not the doorkeepers to the kingdom of heaven. We're not. We're called to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come into the house of the Lord. Go and preach the good news to them, preach the gospel of the kingdom to them, cast the seed. See, have you not read in Matthew thirteen forty seven through 50, where it says the kingdom of heaven is like a great dragnet that was cast into the sea and that gathered some of every kind, which when, when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but uh, threw the bad away. Let's see what it says. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to tell you that there is a dying and lost generation out there. And the, the question is that I'm proposing to you today. I'm proposing to myself today. What are we going to do about it? When my 14 going on 15 year old son and I left the theater, we were both broken and I didn't have to ask him why he was broken. I knew he knew why I was broken. I put on worship music. We're going down the road and the spirit of God invaded that car. And the love and the compassion and the mercy of God. And I look over. He is weeping uncontrollably. I'm weeping. I can hardly drive. My eyes are so filled with tears. And I'm trying to maintain composure and drive on my way home from the theater. What was happening? The love of God. The Bible says that the, the loving kindness leads us unto repentance. Yes, I believe in a devil's hell. Yes, I believe that we're to judge righteously. Yes, I believe that we're to look and observe fruit. But friends, I'm telling you that the Bible says they shall know that we are his disciples by the love that we have towards one another. And I'm not seeing this on social media today. And the last two weeks has been absolutely heartbreaking. And we sit back and we wonder why are we not getting a generation saved? So here we are. Let's do a little bit of a recap before we close this segment. Just like in the 1960s and 70s, you had a whole unreached group of young people, particularly young people that the church couldn't reach. And it's not because they couldn't reach them. It's because they chose not to because they didn't meet their criteria in the movie. When when these group of individuals came to the churches, they were being rejected. So they went to Pastor Chuck Smith's church and at first he didn't want to accept them. But God began to turn his heart. Especially through one young man by the name of Lonnie Frisbee. Yeah, let's talk about Lonnie Frisbee. That man had, uh, he was a practicing homosexual and he did this. Yeah, let's talk about Lonnie Frisbee. Let's talk about your sins. Let's talk about the fact that God can use, uh, and we've told you about this, God can use broken people. God can use people that struggle with sin. Well, here's what you don't know that you probably ain't going to read on a blog or YouTube or any of these sites that that completely trashed him. But if you go and listen to the interview from Greg Laurie, he talks about Lonnie started out good. And he truly repented of his sins and he wanted to, he wanted God in his life and God was using him in his life, but he struggled with these strongholds. Now I know you Uh, All you angels out there with your halos on your head, I know you don't know know anything about that. I know you don't struggle with any sins. You don't have any hiccups, no struggles, no temptations. You don't have a drinking problem, smoking problem. You don't sometimes slip of the tongue. I know you never, you've never told a lie in your life. You've, uh, you have never had malicious intent. You've never gossiped. You've never slandered. I know that you are perfect and without sin. But for the, but for the for the majority of us who are being used by God, including myself. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to have to let you down right here. Ready? Brother Ricky has messed up Many times in my walk with God since 2000, when I got saved for 23 years, yet I have slipped up. There's been times I've said something I shouldn't have said. There's been times when I was angry and did sin. When the Bible says, "Be angry and sin not," I know it's, it's I know it's devastating to you. I know it's devastating to hear that there has been times when I was caught up in gossip and slander. And it was things that I said and did that God dealt with me, and I had to repent over them and put it under the blood and move forward. So what I'm saying is, while we all got our spotlight on the main evangelist sin that he struggled with, it's amazing. They don't talk about, they don't talk about any other thing, but they, they, they focus that spotlight right on that. And so do we do we actually believe that God again? I'm going to ask you this, that God cannot use broken vessels, imperfect vessels, because if you answer yes to that, please show me your church because I want to find it because I've yet to find because the last time I checked and I could be wrong on my theology and I could be and I will humbly tell you I am. But the, there was only one man that was perfect. And they put him on a cross and crucified him. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. If you'll get in your prayer closet and seek the Lord, I venture to say and ask the Lord to give you eyes to see and ears to hear that you can go outside of the four walls of your church and your home, go into the Walmarts, Go into the retail stores, go into the streets, go to wherever you are and look around, open your eyes and look through the compassion of the eyes of Jesus and look beyond their sin, their imperfections and how weird and odd and unusual they are. And you will see a dying and hungry generation that's seeking truth. And you've got the phone number, you've got the address and we they need you and I to go to them. Listen, I would not be sitting here today if the individual that led me to the Lord had that mindset of some of you. If he had the mindset that some of you got, I would never have gotten saved. I would have never gave my heart to the Lord. And I would not be here today preaching to you on this podcast. But he he saw even when I was smoking dope, even when I was fornicating, even when I was cussing like a sailor. He looked beyond all of that, and he saw in me treasure and an earthen vessel that I didn't even see in myself. I didn't see this in myself. But God saw it, and he saw it through the Holy Spirit that was working through him. And because he didn't write me off, and he didn't ignore me, and he didn't shun me, but he loved me. And he embraced me and he took me under his wing and he invited me into his home. Even while I was still, I would go out and smoke, smoke it up with my friends and fornicate away. And then three hours later, he would call me up and say, hey, do you want to hang out for a little bit? And I said, sure, why not? So I'd go over to his house and he loved on me. He didn't condemn me. He didn't rebuke me. He just showed the love of Christ to me. He invited me to church many, many times and I rejected it. And then one day I just said, yes because the love of God drew me in. I said, yes, one time. And at one time I went, when I finally went, God showed up in my mess and redeemed me and saved me. And and, and and listen, did was I made squeaky clean and perfect that day? No, he took me through and I'm still going through. 23 years later, God is still sanctifying me. God is still working through me. And thank God, I don't want to ever get so saved that I forget where I came from. And I want to remember that. And I want to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in to the house of the Lord. Come on. Do you receive this today? Listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for some of you guys because we there's souls at hand. All right, so let's pray. Then I'm going to give you some information on how to follow and keep up with our ministry. Father, in the name of Jesus, I have given to the best of my ability and what the Spirit of God has given me to deliver to the people today. And I pray that this message, Lord, would resonate upon hearts that are able to receive it today. Lord, if we are walking with a—if we're stiff-necked and hard-hardened, that we are so religious that we are not looking— For hurting people and souls that need the gospel. I pray that, Father, we would repent of this right now. That you would break us of this mindset. Lord. Just like I said in the car on Friday night when I was broken and I was weeping before you and I said it out before you. I said, God, I want you to use this ministry. Use my voice however you got to use it. Use it for your glory. It's not about me. It's not about a platform. It's about souls. And I am looking for that one individual. And listen, I don't know who I'm speaking to today. I'm I probably speaking to a lot of maybe some religious people that God is breaking that mindset off you and you're going to start reaching people that the church has rejected but there's another group out here and you are the rejected Maybe you're watching this, you're listening to this, you've been invited to this. And listen, you won't step foot in the church because you've been hurt by the church. You've been rejected by pastors, rejected by church members, rejected by the elders. You have been lied on, slandered on, gossiped on. They have just tore you apart on social media because you have habits in your life. You have addictions, you have failures, you have faults. But listen, I'm telling you, friend, don't blame this on Jesus because it wasn't him. Christ still loves you. He's not calling you to live in sin. He's calling you to come out of sin. But listen, we're not, he is not waiting on you to get everything straightened up. He's not waiting on you to get yourself cleaned up. He's waiting on you to come as you are so that in his presence, he can transform you into his image. And then day by day by day, I'm not promising you to be instantaneously. I'm not saying in one week you'll be whole or two weeks. What I'm saying is, the Apostle Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, I die daily. This was the Apostle Paul. This is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament of the Bible that we read. This guy was this guy was probably one of the most, if you want to call it, holiest people that we could think of in the New Testament. Yet he said himself, I die daily. I have to put my flesh on the altar and die daily. This is the guy that wrote in the book of Romans, the thing that I will to do is the thing I don't do and the thing I don't want to do is the thing I end up doing. That sounds like to me that the apostle Paul was not squeaky clean and sanctified to perfection, but God still used him, still gave him seven revelations of the Lord, still used him to, to plant churches, equip the saints. He was an apostle. He, he did mighty signs and wonders among the brethren, even through his weaknesses and his imperfections come on brother come on sister i don't know who i'm talking to today but god loves you i love you come on the holy spirit wants you he wants to use you god has a plan for your life don't listen to the pharisees the sadducees and the teachers of law if you listen to them you'll be sidelined and you'll look back 20 years from now and wish you would have stepped out in what god's called you to do and because they have tried to convince you that you are disqualified because of your past and because of your weaknesses and all this stuff you got to put that stuff behind you and you got to press towards the mark of the high calling in christ jesus i give you permission today in the name of jesus to step into what god has called you in jesus name come on do you receive this today all god's people said amen and amen listen in time download our free app guys it's available on apple it's available on android type it in time headlines you can get it right into your inbox today um, uh, it's again it's free it's where you're going to get all of our podcasts uh, and all of our uh, latest news and headlines from a, uh, a bible perspective from a prophetic perspective you're going to get all that right there at your fingertips if this ministry is a source of equipping information blessing and revelation please Um, pray about becoming a monthly partner you can do that two different ways you can give electronically through the app it's the easiest way or you can give right there on your screen by check or money order and you can make that at the end time headlines PO Box 1391 and that's Monroe, Georgia three zero six five five it's been a great honor to be with you guys today again we love you thank you for your prayers your intercession your partnership to this ministry we're going to sign off for today we'll be right back here listen don't miss tomorrow tomorrow's going to be a good one too it's going to be this is going to be an equipping message tomorrow so you you'll definitely don't want to miss this one and uh so be here tomorrow tuesday 8 p.m eastern until then may the lord bless you keep you and may his countenance shine upon you we'll see you then Thank you for listening to the End Time Headlines podcast. We pray that you've been blessed and equipped by today's message. For more information about how you can help partner with our ministry, please visit endtimeheadlines.org.